Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast today. I hope you enjoy it. But first, I want to ask you a question. Are you someone who has high upside potential in your business and yet sometimes that goal is just hard to get to and maybe the only way you've seen to get to it is just to make more calls, you know, work harder? Well, if you're fed up with using old strategies to solve new problems, then I might have a solution. It's my five-day million-dollar seller challenge. We meet one hour a day in a coaching intensive where I will teach you five moves that you can make to scale your results without working harder. To learn more, click the link in the show notes or go to milliondollarsellerchallenge.com. In this episode of the Bill Kasky Podcast, I have a special guest, Tom Batchelder from California. Tom is in the training, consulting, coaching business. He has a really nice group of clients he works with, and he and I see the world similarly, but we got some things that we thought we could uh, explore together. So here's my interview with Tom Batchelder. I think you'll enjoy it. Well, I'm speaking today with an old friend, old, old friend, Tom Batchelder from California, and Tom and I uh, uh, met each other here years and years ago, and he's in a similar kind of business that we are here, and he's in the sales, advice, coaching, counseling, mentoring business. And uh, I wanted to have him on because he brings a, uh, a lot of the same philosophies, I think, that we teach here, but some differences. And I wanted to bring him on and talk a little bit about what he sees in the market with his clients, and maybe we can each impart a few bits of wisdom to you. So, Tom, welcome. Hi, Bill. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm glad you're here. So uh, give the audience uh, 30 seconds to a minute on what you do now in your practice, the kinds of companies you work with. You don't have to name them by name. Just generally the kind of work that you spend most of your time doing in your consulting and coaching business. I do clients or professional services organizations, companies under the radar, independent firms, uh, high ticket items, thoughtful leadership, um, sales challenges, but also kind of organization development challenges. A lot of firms that are trying to actually build a sales culture where they just mostly had a service culture and where they're a little bit afraid of even the idea of selling, but they know they have to sell and they want to be more sophisticated about it, but they're afraid of that changing kind of who they are as um, as client service folks. And so that's kind of my favorite audience is thoughtful, process-oriented, smart folks that are a little more introverted, that are kind of geeky nerds about what they do and need to sell, but don't quite know how to do it. Yeah, I'm the same way. I mean, when if a client calls me and says, hey, I've got uh, 37 phone call, you know, callers who are telemarketers who are on the phone every day, I'm like, uh, no thanks. I'm not sure I want to do that. But if <laughs> yeah. they say, hey, I've got 10 consultants who work with uh, Fortune 100 companies, and we got to learn to sell better, then I'm all ears. So it yeah. sounds like you're the same kind of person, somebody who's a who actually has a lot of skill in, in the thought leadership, some technical skill, and they just want to be better at communicating their value is really the way I look at it. Yeah, agreed. So let's talk about uh, when you go into a company – uh, what are some, I mean, we know what they may, or we suspect what they may ask for when they come in. We want you to help us build a sales culture. We want you to help us build a sales process, teach us some skills so that we can land better or bigger clients. But I'm always fascinated by what's going on beneath the surface when you have a group of, let's say, 10 people and you start working with them. What are some of the things that you run into in terms of resistance to your teachings? And you have a, a distinct philosophy. Uh, what, what are some things that you run into that you might call re reluctance or resistance to adopt something new? 
I mean, the first thing that I run into from resistance standpoint is really kind of it bumps up against how they see themselves. So as an individuals or as an organization, um, it's really kind of, you know, oftentimes they're discounting their own sense of their value and what they provide. Oftentimes there's just some real habits around um, pricing, pitching, chasing. They say they want they say they want to grow, but um, usually they have a little bit of imposter syndrome. And so they've found ways to sabotage their growth. So I'm always first looking for kind of where are the levers, where they're sabotaging themselves, where are they undervaluing themselves? Um, where do they say they want to grow, but do they really want to do yeah. the work to change their habits? Um, that's kind of the <laughs> first thing that I'm looking at. Everybody wants to grow. Everybody wants more income, but then when you say, well, you, you, here's a way to do it. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, come on. I'm not going to do that. That's not going to work. YouTube videos? Are you kidding me? That's, that's not my role. My role is to sell. Okay, you don't want to talk to a thousand people. You want to talk to them one at a time. Okay, I get it. Yeah, I think uh, some of that, and I've heard this word. I want you to explain this word to me since you have a background in counseling is the word identity is okay. I hear a lot of people talking about that now, not in terms of the political atmosphere It's crazy about identity, identity politics. I'm talking more as who do I see myself to be? I heard uh, a guy the other day said, your identity is the story you tell yourself about yourself. And okay. I, I kind of like that. But what when, because I do believe, like you just said, that if we're going to get to another level in our business, we kind of have to change our view of ourselves. And not discount ourselves and not see ourselves as somebody who's unworthy. What, what, what is your impression of the word identity and how does it figure into things? I mean, I find the place where this bumps up against growth and sales and change is especially people that have any kind of identity that is in the – well, I'll give you an example. So an example is like the helper identity or the kind of nice guy or um, nice – girl identity, um, which actually leads to a bit of a victim mentality and a struggle mentality. Um, so anybody that's kind of stuck and like, well, I'm, you know, I'm here to help. I'm nice. I don't want to make anybody mad. Um, I'm here of service, which is great. Um, but as we're trying to build a growth organization, the service mindset, the helper mindset um, that also is kind of has some victim and some struggle mindset tends to pull the organization down and hold it back. It tends to have them holding on to clients that are not ideal clients that are not optimally profitable. It tends us having to kind of look for and finding opportunities that are not ideal. And so up leveling what kind of stuff we're tolerating from clients, who we keep, who we let go, attracting more of the right kinds of clients um, kind of getting out of any of that struggle mentality or victim mentality, I think is particularly important um, when I first show up in an organization. It is, and it's it's hard to talk about in a way because when you start throwing around the term victim mentality, I could see people, and I know you're probably not saying that those words, but those are your internal, uh, you know, it, lights go off when you hear that. Lights go off when I hear. Well, I'm not a salesperson. I mean, I'm I'm a I'm an accountant. I don't really sell, and I feel like you're in client acquisition. I you better think you sell something. But I also know where where that comes from. That comes from I'm not the salesperson that my dad was or that I've seen, you know, uh, call on me. I'm not that person. 
And I think part of this is we have to change what what does it mean to be in sales today? What what do you what do you think it means to be in sales today that might be a different definition than it was 10, 15, 20 years ago? I mean, I find the most important, the most useful thing with folks that are reluctant to even talk about sales is to minimize using the word sales. So my entry point is always business development and new business development. Um, that for me is a less triggering term. Or whenever I'm first kind of meeting with a group, I'll put the word sales up there and have them put up all of their definitions and all their judgments of what it would mean and kind of just let's just, let's get this out of our system. Mm-hmm. And let's reorient kind of how we think about sales. I prefer a term like business development and new business development um, because there's so many people that are a part of that process. They are a part of the pitch, the presentation, looking for opportunities in those meetings. They may have a number and a quota. They may not. But there's 10 times more folks that are in business development and sales than think they are. So for me, it's finding a way to talk about it where we minimize resistance. Um, and then get them to actually admit, yeah, actually, you know, I, I am in this. And for me, outside of like even admitting you're in it, I'm looking to find folks that are interested in developing, learning, and growing. And so anything in the area of business development, presenting, pitching, negotiating, selling, there's an opportunity for the person to increase their skills, find ways to make more money, um, push push their edges, push themselves out of their comfort zone, um, get stronger, um, face their fears. And so there's a development opportunity there that yeah. I'm kind of, I'm kind of poking at people seeing like who's willing to like actually grow, develop, learn, try something different. Yeah, that's good. That's good. You know, that, that reminds me of a call that I was, I was uh, listening in on my daughter and I were traveling in Denver and she was on a call, a business call. She picked me up from the airport or something. She was like, I got to take this. It's a client. And she is an account manager for a tech company. And, so uh, she was talking to this client and kind of walking him off the ledge. And he was kind of angry at the company because they didn't do what they said they would do. It wasn't, it wasn't my daughter. But, and I listened to, and, and my, my daughter is smart, but she's a really good communicator. I listened to how she worked this person, worked through these uh, issues and these details until at the very end, he says, well, this has been really helpful. Thank you very much. This has been good. And uh, give me a call next week and let's talk about this other thing. And she got off the phone. I said, that was really, that was really good. I would have probably hung up on the dude if he'd have said that to me. I'm emotional. Uh, I said, that was really good. She said, I said, have you ever thought about a career in sales? She goes, oh no, I could never sell. And I'm like, (laughs) what? You just, you just took a terrible situation. You made it good. What else is there to do in terms of communicating with another human being? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that ability to listen, that ability to kind of attune to the audience, that ability to de-escalate, to make someone feel heard, to be fully present. You know, I find that most when they're in a sales mode, kind of do the opposite of what you just described with your daughter, like where they're not totally present. They're not actually listening that well. They're not pausing they're not making the other person feel as heard and like that like being a facilitator of meaningful discussions that's the skill that you just described um that i think is oftentimes missing in sales and the thing that is most needed yeah because it requires a uh 
orientation of detachment a little bit, pulling your ego totally out of it at the time where you're triggered to be defensive. You have to calm that trigger. You have to take your have to take your yeah. finger off the trigger, and just be in the moment. And that's really yeah. hard for people. It's really hard for people. I, yeah, the being in the moment. I mean, I I just I implore people all the time. I'm like, when you enter into this particular conversation, I want you to try to be vigilant about not caring what happens at the end. Just be totally focused on your presence, your process, the things you want to ask and uncover, be present, be there, be intentional, facilitate, be in control. Don't even worry about what's going to happen at the end. Just be right there and um, easier said than done. Yeah, no, but that's great advice. That's great instruction. So I want to, I want to, as we finish up here, we're talking to Tom Batchelder, by the way, Tom, how can people get a hold of you or your website or social media? What's the best place to find out more? Uh, selling180.com. Um, the book is Selling 180 on Amazon. Um, I have Tuesday's Tips from Tom on LinkedIn. So Tom Batchelder on LinkedIn, B-A-T-C-H-E-L-D-E-R. Great. We'll put that uh, LinkedIn uh, piece in the show notes to make sure people can, because that's a tough one to spell. I got to tell you, are there two H's <laughs> yes, is. or is there three C's? What is it? I know. It could be a Jeopardy question, actually. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> Um, here's something I'm, I'm thinking about, and I wanted to get your opinion on it is, you know, it started off in the seventies and eighties where we talked about need satisfaction selling. There were books written. I mean, there was all sorts of models and methods where you go out and find the needs and you offer a solution and, you know, people buy. And then in the, in the two thousands, there became this orientation of pain. We, we don't want to find needs. We want to go out and find the pain. What hurts? What's a customer struggling with? And and then once we hear that, we are going to propose a solution that obviously or apparently will solve that. And then it seemed like about 10 years ago, we, we started to hear more about the vision, selling to a vision. And instead of talking about pains and problems, we want to talk about where are you going? Where do you want to go You know, with your business or with this product? What's the destination look like? And I like all of those. But I'm wondering if there's a, a fourth dimension here that we're entering into now. And this is where I get a little crazy. been doing some bad drugs that got me here. But And that is the, <laughs> is selling becoming more of a game of explaining? And what I mean by that is I feel like sometimes if we go in and start interrogating people and asking question after question after question to try to get them to reveal something that they may or may not want to reveal or they may not even know they have a problem. So if I go into you, Tom, and say, what are your three biggest problems around sales? You might, you're only going to be able to tell me what you experience. You're not going to be able to go underneath the consciousness level and say, well, my conscious problems are this, but my unconscious problems are something else. So I'm wondering if there's an opening here for sales professionals to ask those questions, get clear about what their state of, what the prospect's state of mind is currently, but then move into more of a, uh, here's what we find people really want. Here's what we find people uh, maybe don't know they want, but here's the destin- Here's where we want to take you. So it's not asking the customer what your vision is. It's more saying, look, I, I'm the bus driver on this bus, and we're going here. And let me tell you exactly what to expect on the way there. Then you decide whether you want to work with me or not, or whether you want to take that trip with me. And I wonder what you think, or am I just 
Am I just saying the same thing that we've always said, which is where you have to tell the people the process and you have to ask questions about vision? And if they're not clear, you have to get clear about it. What do you think about that? I think that's more of kind of that's like an integrated, comprehensive version of all the other pieces that you talked about. So for me, it's like that's kind of all the things wrapped into one. And so I like to think of it as painting a picture so really being able to paint a picture quickly and clearly as a part of the initial conversation or two around, here's where we do our best work. Here's what we find. Mm-hmm. Typically, people are coming to us for these reasons, both pain and possibility. We work really well with organizations that are at this particular stage, and we work really well with people that you could describe as people and leaders who are these kinds of folks. And these are some examples. Here's an example of like someone came to us with this, and then we did this. So painting a picture in a really visceral, you know, visual, emotional way around kind of where you do your best work, why people come to you. Yeah what kinds of places you take them and just getting really good at different versions and different formats around kind of how we paint that picture so that, you know, the audience can self-identify there. Um, But we do need to lead them a little bit more and we don't need to interrogate them off the bat. I do think we need to kind of paint a picture and then see what's relevant and where we can get their attention along the way. Yeah. I think that whole, where do you want to go conversation is a co-creation. It's, got to be them 70%, but you're there as a guide. I've always said that, you know, our role in sales is to be a guide to help them get from point A to point B. Point A is current reality. Point B is the perfect future. And maybe that's you that takes them all the way there, or maybe that's you and some other vendors or some other, uh, you know, some other vehicles that help them get there. But I think you're right. I think we need to spend more time in that, what are you running away from? What would you like to fix? And what are you running toward? What would you like life to be like in this in this niche or with this product? And to do that really well, you have to slow things down. So like to have a really effective conversation like that, that's going to take one or two or three or four conversations. Um, we cannot do all of that in the first conversation. So slowing the process yeah. down, being really intentional about framing like, this is what we're going to do and how many conversations it'll take. This is what we're up to here. And that in the end, like, you know, you, Mr. or Mrs. Prospect, you're going to get some stuff that's going to be useful for you, whether you work with us or not. And it's going to take a little bit of time to kind of walk through these steps. And so I find slowing the process down is really important. too. That's so true. At a time when we want to speed up, we, we want things to happen quicker and we're getting pressure from leadership like, hey, we're running slow this month. Pipeline's not where it needs to be. Okay, boss, I'll go out and I'll, even though they're not ready, I'll make them ready. I'll arm wrestle That's them right. to the ground. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, there's that. And then also, you know, the prospects oftentimes want to speed up to like, let's cut to the chase. Let's cut to the chase. And so it takes a lot of discipline to also yeah. slow them down, slow them down with high intent, but also coming from a place of strength. So, yeah. But Good. Like we talk about all the time. Yeah. Uh, one last question. Tom Batchelder is our guest today. And, uh, you can reach Tom at uh, saythebookagain.com. Selling180. Selling180.com. You can find it there also on Amazon. Selling180. We'll put the links in the show notes. What are your clients do? Is there any client you have who's really taking advantage of 
digital, be it video or audio or anything like that, in the sales process? The clients that are doing really well with video are mostly leveraging LinkedIn for that. And um, as far as direct, effective videos for outbound sales, uh, I don't have any clients that are doing that really well. I have a bunch of clients that are trying to do that well and trying to get good at video, whether it's LinkedIn or kind of just embedded video and outbound. I would say um, it's the thing that people need to really focus on and get good at, yeah. how, to, how to be good on camera, how to be precise. It's the kind of thing that you know I've had to learn myself. Um, production value, messaging, precision, consistency, getting comfortable with yourself on video. Um, I think it's really, really, really important I and something too. that I think people are reluctant to do. They have a lot of their own personal blocks and then they need to kind of get over that and just practice and get better at it because it is the best, one of the best possible tools for yeah, selling. It is. And I'm even thinking that Forget about the prospecting side. I think it's good. It's definitely valuable there. But we did an exercise with a client the other day where we looked at his sales process. He's got a five to six part sales process. And we started to look and I said, what, where in between the in the gaps could video be a solution? I'm not talking about, hey, Tom, Bill Kasky here. I want to check and just make sure not that kind of video. But I'm talking about either an educational video, something that is bringing value along the way. Um we started using for any corporate client that we are talking to, I've got a page on the site that has an introductory video and five commonly asked question videos. So each one, each video is one question, like how does this work and how much is it? And things that I know that before I talk to somebody or even after the first conversation, I know they, they want to know. And so we send them that. So by the time we're talking, they've kind of experienced or consumed you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes, and it feels a lot more, there's a lot more rapport there than if it's a cold, even if they book the call, it still feels like there's a little bit more rapport there. Yeah, I love that. I have a client right now that's building just that out in the sales process. Um, and the, the founder is kind of recording his version of those things. And I think it's, yeah, super important in the sales process, building that in to kind of have in between great idea, not enough to do it, um, highly recommend. Yeah, yeah. Tom, thanks for your time today, my friend. It's good to catch up, and uh, I've, I've always appreciated your weighing in on some of these difficult issues in sales. You're good at it, and uh, I'm glad you were with us today. Thanks, Bill. That was fun. Appreciate it.